Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Good evening, Internet! I have taken over tonight. <laughs> Kimmy is very much alive. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. making that joke again. No, we're not allowed fine. to make that joke. However, <laughs> for tonight, the warden has left the building. <laughs> we are running the show. We're throwing yeah. dice everywhere. It's, it's, just, a, it's yeah. just a riot. Yeah. So, hi, everybody. I'm Kadave. I don't even remember. <laughs> I, I'm an idiot. I took off my glasses, right? What Is that you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Kimmy's here. Oh no! Oh, oh no! no. I oh, thought the principal's here. here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're interrupting. <laughs> we're we're introing. I saw you out of the corner of my eyes. Like, no one's gonna <laughs> believe me. <laughs> I'm on. What are you looking Hi. for? Welcome to Happy Jack's RPG <laughs> Podcast. This is season 32, episode seven of the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Adam. Oh, I'm Clara. Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Kadeev again. <laughs> in today's episode, Eric from New Jersey asked what to do when a GM is burned out on a system. Forlorn Hope 22 weighs in on cursed artifacts. And Virk has a triumphant story about an amazing week of gaming. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. So as you may have noticed, moving forward, the podcast will be recorded on Sunday nights, as in now. You could tune in live at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch and then shared later on YouTube and your favorite podcast source. So an important <laughs> bit of news for the month. The indie designer this month is Jessica Markram at Miss underscore Jess 03 on Twitter. Angry Nerd Girl on Twitch. Angrynerdgirl.itch.io. All right, we're just, <laughs> we're cool. preening. That's preening on camera. <laughs> That's delightful. It will pick up uh, on the mic. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just like, I'm doing something wrong and they're trying to signal me. No, no I'm no. having a That's weird day. <laughs> We're going to talk about Jessica's game Operation Cat Chat, a solo RPG about being quarantined in an apartment with no internet and only your cat for company. It's too real. <laughs> uh, it's a game about loneliness, connection, and what goes on in your cat's mind. That's scary. So it's a horror game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrifying. The yeah. demons that they see when right. we're not looking. Right. Yeah. Hold yeah. oh, on. There's, there's more. Let's go. Desperate for your companionship, you decide to do what no one else has done yet. Learn to speak cat. Mm. There's no time like the present. <laughs> Besides, what else are you going to do? <laughs> to play Operation Cat Chat, you will need one six-sided die, a standard deck of cards, ten tokens that your cat likes, a recording oh. method... And most importantly, a cat that can tolerate you. Oh, no. And oh, you gosh. can have this cat venture for $5 Hold on. at angrynerdgirl.itch.io. <laughs> it involves an Grab actual me a copy. Cat? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Okay. What if I have two cats? One of them's going to get jealous. Actually, So yeah. you got to play it twice. Yeah, I got to play, play it twice. twice. You have yeah. a husband. I, that's true, yeah. Uh, Distract this cat. Yeah. I'm dragging the other one. Right. Make yeah. it a competitive game by both playing. I, yeah, we both play at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah. That would actually be that, delightful, and you they, listen to each other's recordings. Oh, oh yeah, actually. That's really mm, cute. That's really all right, cute. Joey. Nah. <laughs> Game on. I've got to get home and interact with a cat. Dad, <laughs> right. immediately. It turns out, like, so they, there's a thing where cats communicate sub-vocally, and then they mm. meow to get our attention because they hear us speaking. Yes. Yep. So it's like the cat equivalent of, like, talking louder and slower to someone who doesn't speak English. <laughs> right. I said, meow. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, I'm very excited to check this out. That's adorable. Amazing. I really, hold on. Right. Well, uh, if you're doing that, you want me to take it away on the you first You should do the mailbag because I got to yeah. buy a game. Okay. Email number one. Excellent. Well, hello. Greetings from the beautiful state of New Jersey. Well, the Northwest part where I'm from is quite beautiful anyway. It is I, Eric from New Jersey, with a problem I need to ask for help with. For the past year or so, I've been running a Star Trek Adventures Classic Era campaign. It's overall been a positive experience. Except I realized I dislike the 2D20 system. I don't think the system is a failure. It's more the fact that my GMing style and the mechanics are not completely mechanical. While I'm a serviceable GM with the system, not the best, but not the worst, according (laughs) to one player who's never played with me before, I just can't excel at it. I leave the sessions dissatisfied with my GMing in the system in ways I'd never felt with something like Savage Worlds or Masks. Normally, this would result in the adult conversation between me and the players. But if we decided to stay with the system, my players would maybe think I'm not giving it my all because of the difficulties I have with the system. And I don't want to put that nugget in their mind just yet. So right now, I see three options. Stick with it. Try to get better at it. I don't hate the system, but I don't think it's completely compatible to my particular style. However, practice makes perfect, and perhaps I can grow as GM outside my comfort zone in this regard. For the record, the original STA books are laid out terribly, and finding what I need is very difficult, even with an electronic copy. It intersperses crunch and fluff regularly while using the same terminology in both. Things are damn hard to look up. Ah, the world of darkness syndrome. (laughs) no! Number two. We Talk put a giant blood stain over <laughs> right. the information you're looking for. Yeah. 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 Hey, like, there's we, a whole yeah. plan playing's in a different book. Right, yeah, yeah. We wrote all of the rules in gold metallic lettering on white pages. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Fuck Sorry. you, nerds. <laughs> white Wolf's Trying. new slogan. White Wolf. Fuck you, nerd. When trying to read the book is a game in and of itself, and you don't know the rules. <laughs> yeah. I sympathize with you, Eric. Yeah. Here we go. Number two, talk to the players about moving it to another system. As Eric Odd suggested to me, talk to people on the Pinnacle forums, for example, and see if there's a good Star Trek adaptation. Maybe look at Kimmy's beta for her sci-fi PBTA game and see if that would work. Shout out, Kimmy. The reason I hesitate to do this is your own trouble, Stu, when you went from fourth edition to another system and trying to get the players right, even if they couldn't be exact. And number three, maybe time to end the game. We play once a month, and it's been going on for 12 or so sessions. Maybe it's time to call it quits. This would involve another adult conversation with the players, and I don't want to just kill it with fire right away. Maybe say we're going to have another session or two before I end it. So that's where I am right now. Hopefully you can offer some sage advice. Anyway, stay drunk, stay diverse, and keep on rolling those dice. Thanks, Eric from New Jersey. Mm. Cheers to the Garden State. Oh, there's a PS. No! Did I miss it? Mm. It's on the next page. Yes, I didn't want to edit the main body so you get an actual postscript. It turns out two of my six players actually are not thrilled with the system either. Of course, one of the other players bought me Klingon dice for the game. Die. <laughs> Woof. Okay. So what do you do Ooh. when you're not thrilled with the system? Ooh. Well, this is this is tough. And I'm going to claim personal privilege because I haven't been on the advice show in like six months. So I'm going to answer first. 
even if I wasn't asked. No, this is a really difficult thing. And I, I've had this problem before where I, I start during quarantine or right before quarantine. I really loved, they all hated it when they played it here, but I loved the new Legend of the Five Rings game. Mm. I thought that it was beautifully written. I thought I liked the system. It sounded cool because I'd also played the Fantasy Flight game stuff too and and had good experiences with it. And there... If nothing else, the modules are just a fantastic fucking story. They're really great modules. And I was like, really want to play this. I really want to run this. It was just, I think it was actually more of the module idea that messed it up for me more than the system itself. Because I just like, I was like, I don't remember exactly what the clue was they're supposed to find here. So I'll just make it up and then I'll look later. and like, oh, I just exonerated the main villain. (laughs) Okay, recalibrating. (laughs) So, And ultimately from that one, what I realized after a few sessions of running it is that it was becoming a source of stress for me. It wasn't any fun anymore. And so so I kind of told everybody, like, I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to, I can't run this anymore. And they all understood because it was all close friends playing. But it's really hard when you when you love the idea of something, but you don't like the mechanics of what you're playing with. And I think you owe it to yourself to have fun while you're gaming. I totally love the idea of getting yourself out there, getting out of your comfort zone, trying something that you're not totally comfortable with. But ultimately, you deserve to have fun too when you're gaming. And that's really important. What I would do is I would talk to the players and say, look, what do you all want to do? Do you love this story and these characters enough that you're willing to experiment with something something new and translate everything into a new system so that we can continue the story, if you're willing to do that? Or would you rather just kind of wrap it up and say, okay, we told a complete story, we did an experiment, we tried it, it's not for us, and let's move on and play a different game. And maybe you get together and you play a new Star Trek game, but I think it's it's worth it. It's okay to say, this is just not working for us. We're not having the kind of fun that we wanted to have. And it's okay to let that go. I also like what you said, Eric, about you're not sure if you're the best GM and you could maybe put some time in to work on expanding your comfort zone. And I often think that bad games mechanically can be saved and made into good stories by good GMs, but Mm -hmm. also it takes a lot more work and a lot more time to make that happen. Yeah. And one of the things that I tell people for advice if they're trying to get to know new systems or complex systems, there's a lot of stuff on the internet about like one-page rules or short explainers of a system. Mm -hmm. But if it's it's a book played out terribly, go through, take some notes, pull out like three paragraphs that you think are the most important mechanics, put them on a sheet for yourself, and just always yeah. have that on hand. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say the other resource that you have with the full internet is actual plays, not to like plug our shit. Which, did we use that for Second Star? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Second Star exists, which was my first campaign with Happy yeah. Jacks, where we played the system. And I could not tell you how to play it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's lost. That's another point against. Yeah, that's yeah. actually. And kind of the file is deleted from my brain because yeah. I only have so much storage space. But yeah. That said, there are actual plays out there that might play it and actually explain the rules. Again, I have no idea if we did or not. I feel like we did. We did a pretty good job of using the rules. Yes, but (laughs) I 
definitely sort of adapted the system to my GM style. Yeah. Yeah. Just after you've run a bunch of games, you sort of develop your mental process. Yeah. Right. The little adjustments that you make. And it's just kind of a thing. And it's not like I was like, well, I'm not going to use 2D20. That's ridiculous. (laughs) It's, It's not. You're not destroying the foundation of the game you're playing, but you're maybe interfacing with it slightly differently. Yeah. Based on sort of the way, like, I'm a very improvisational GM, right? I'm just going to go with what's happening, and we're just going to see what's going to happen today. Same here. So, like, most of my game prep is, like, I've got a little... Question mark? Yeah. Literally, I use like a little old school detective noir, film noir notepad. That's great. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of jot down like phrases of things that I think might come into play. Like, hmm. oh, yeah, I've written down little phrases that I want an NPC to use, something that's just really going to wreck a player. Just <laughs> and just that. like little scenario. And based on like what happened last, like when I was doing Tales from the Loop and we ended a game session on a player just completely botching a role with a crazy mind thought reading satellite dish thing that they had built. So then I'm sitting at the pizza place across from Stu's like 20 minutes before the next session. And I just opened up my little notepad and I was like, brain swap (laughs) and then i closed my notepad and i was like that's all the prep i did for that session i feel like i'm sitting in like the advanced like placement (laughs) class and everyone's like yeah i didn't even study i got an a and i'm like i've been writing lore for this monster of the week campaign for three weeks i mean shout out i've heard it no no amazing but none of it's good it doesn't matter because it's monster of the week it doesn't have to be good it just has to be fun I'm I'm not discounting the amount of prep you can do for a game before you're kicking off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because before any game I go into, I will do a shit ton of world building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if the players never find it, just because it's all stuff that I know is happening and it makes me happy to think about my little model that I built. (laughs) I might have to paddle around in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, look, I built this miniature and I get to watch it. It's like, yeah, right. That's, that's absolutely happens. No kidding. Make them kiss. That's 90% of my GM style. Just make them kiss. And my player style, actually. I mean, you list out three options here, but, but there's a fourth option that I would encourage you to try, which is similar to what Alex was saying of trying to sort of isolate what are the rules that are causing you problems? That what are the things that are taking you out of the moment? And try to pay attention to like, what is that thing? Because if you can isolate that thing or several of those things and pull them out of the game, that could really transform how you think about things. And and one thing that I think people miss a lot in much more mechanical traditional games is that all of them tell you in the preface, which most of us skip now after we've been gaming for several decades, (laughs) in the preamble, they always say, Like, this is a guideline for you to have fun. Mm -hmm. If you're not having fun with a rule, throw it out, change it. And that's okay. We call this the Jason edition. So (laughs) take take the rules that get you flustered, that inhibit your your ability to enjoy yourself in the game and just go, you know what? We're not going to do that anymore. And and if it's going to seriously impact somebody's character build, which I, in Star Trek Adventures, I don't think that's going to really be a problem because of the way the characters are built. So you don't really have that progression or you're 
like going up certain trees of skills or things like that. But make sure that you make arrangements with anybody who is has, if they've got special things built around that rule, that you make an allowance and figure out a way to still have them be special in that thing that they want to be special at. But otherwise, just get rid of the rules. Like the, the rules are holding you back, man. Yeah. So just, you know, <laughs> yeah, go off the yeah. tracks. You know? Yeah, go off the tracks. I will also say to the point of switching between systems can be difficult. I do often find with more crunchy games, if characters are built around certain mechanical elements yeah. of what they can do, it can be really hard to switch systems because yeah. players can get very attached to those elements of a character that are meant to kind of fill a niche in the system. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with this system, but I can think of a lot of examples of a player who might be kind of built around the way their character moves or interacts in a movement sense. And then if you don't care about how far away you are from things, right. they don't feel powerful anymore. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I think try the subtle techniques before moving to a drastic thing like that. It, to me, like changing the system would be the last thing I would try. However, I will say if everybody is really loving the story and you can't find a way to live with this system, what I would do is bring the season, quote unquote, to an end and end that story, take a, a couple of months off and then rebuild your story, bring everybody back and say, okay, now like your characters have had six months since the events of, of our previous story. Now let's rebuild our characters in this new system and then try it. Give yourself that distance because otherwise people are just going to think, oh, well, I used to be able to do this thing. Why can't I do it now? It gets you so bugged down in the transition that you lose the whole point of switching, which was to preserve the story and the characters. Yeah. Also, it's Star Trek, so you can mirror universe like a couple episodes. Oh, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Or do what yeah. they did to us. <laughs> I will, Which I can't say because it's a spoiler. <laughs> I will also recommend specifically, I think it's Riley Renthal who has a lot of really amazing, kind of like shorter, a little bit looser games. And they have a system called Galactic which is mm -hmm. kind of a Star Trek, mm -hmm. Star Wars system yeah. that I really like. So check that out if you're looking for a system that's a lot less crunchy. Yeah. yeah. Fun. Also, once you kind of narrow down in, in your mind exactly what about the system is not working for you, search online because there's probably somebody else that feels the same way. Yeah. And that person may have totally written up like a, here's a two-page insert that changes so how this many works. Yeah. Unless and, Reddit's still down, in which case. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get all my game design tips from right Reddit. <laughs> you'll find you'll find discussions on various places that you'll just end up with like, oh, well, I really don't like the ship combat in this game. Okay, here's a way you could do it using the battleship board game with the little pegs and that stuff. That sounds great. Like, actually. You know, like yeah, right? love yeah. Do all... space warfare with battleships. Oh, right? I know. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. 3D space. Never mind. It's yeah. fine. I. If you want to get fully into the Star Wars combat with the whole mat and then like... Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I did. We did try that once with one of my home gaming groups. Basically, they got all of the... It was the Dungeons and Dragons dragon. It was. It's like X-Wing, the X-Wing miniatures game, but it was with mm. dragons. I haven't and, heard of it. Oh, yeah. It was, and it was really cool. And they had all these gorgeous sculpts and everything. And he was like, I really want to play this and we'll do our combat in this, but we'll... But well, he basically sort of wrote a somewhat compatible system to do our role playing when we're not mounted and do our role playing with our characters, with our dragon riders. And then mm -hmm. whenever we'd switch to combat and get on our dragons, 
we do the uh, roll up the mat. Yeah, yeah, attack wing, I think it was. And it was kind of cool. It was a little clunky, but the idea of it was really exciting to me. And yeah. So yeah, you could always just like take a break from your role playing to pull out the Star Trek attack wing miniatures and go to town. So yeah. I absolutely did something very similar to that in ages past. Mm-hmm. In the time before time, when the only Star Wars game out there was West End, all the D6s, I was running the game, and I was also very obsessed and very good at X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, the video game. Yes. <laughs> so we played, I, I got a group of people that liked playing that game, and we got together and played the role-playing game where we were all fighter pilots. Yeah doing stuff, and then I built scenarios in X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, and then I was like, all right, so great. let's go, That's and then we'd cool. all dial up our modems love and play. cross-medium play. Right? Yeah. 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 I've, I've <laughs> long wanted somebody to, to run a game for me in Guild Wars setting, and then like, like we get together and we go adventuring on Guild Wars, and then we then we play our characters in a role playing game. It's like I'd, like, I'd love I LARP and that is like the, be so good for yeah. that. I, yeah. say, I LARP and that is the nerdiest thing I've heard, but also I would super do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did a similar thing over quarantine. Dave and Jason and Joey and I, and then Nick eventually joined in, but. It basically, we early in quarantine, Jason and and Joey and I were we. I ran a Star Wars PBTA. We had the Star Wars PBTA that we all love. And I was running that for them both as Jedi. And then we're like, oh, let's, now that we're all back into Old Republic MMO, like, let's make our characters in Old Republic. And then we go around adventuring. And then, yeah. And then David joined, uh, Dave, I called you David. That's so weird. That is weird. California (laughs) David, let me use your full name. California (laughs) David uh, joined us on on FOTOR. And, you know, then later brought him into the role playing game. And yeah, but but I love that idea too. And so maybe what you all need to do is just like go buy some Star Trek miniatures and just like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And just check in with your players. Like, so several of them aren't big fans of the system either. That's a, but if everybody really loves the characters and the story that you're telling, take a break, relaunch in a new system and give yourself a fresh start and keep those stories going. Yeah. Um, Mirror universe time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That actually would be a good way, like take a break and and do do a relaunch with just like a short couple of sessions in the mirror universe or a, in a time travel thing as the in the new system. So it's it feels like a clean break. And then That's then so you cool. come back and then you can do your normal timeline or your normal universe dimension in the new system. And it will kind of help maybe transition you. Yeah, I love that. Should we do mailbag two? Yes. Number it's two. It's the shortest one, so I volunteer. Take it away. <laughs> that, listen, we know the drill. I Great. don't. The long ones are hard for me. <laughs> Hello, Happy Jacks. Here's another discussion topic from my meandering mind. Cursed artifacts. Mm. I, as a player, quite enjoy getting a cursed item in game. I feel it's an interesting piece for a character of character furniture struggling under a dread curse while trying to accomplish heroism. Players I GM for also have expressed the same feeling. Curses are fun and interesting, which is a shame that most curses are either trivial or too deadly. As an example, I was playing a rogue in Pathfinder when the party came across the cursed hand axe of a serial killer in the story. 
I thought it was the kind, it was kind of a cool idea to be cursed, so my character took the axe. I was thinking it would give me an impulse to murder or be haunted by the victims or something. No, instead, every dawn my character was, instead, every dawn my character had to make a will save or the axe would cut off my head. Much too deadly to role play with. And lifting the curse was just to, just to remove curse spell away, which was easily attainable at the local tumble for a small donation. <laughs> Saving that for later. <laughs> it was also trivial to remove. I guess my question is, what cool curses and items can you think of to give to players that would, one, be an actual curse, two, not be so deadly that players couldn't play with it for a while, and three, might actually require a small quest or something to remove? Hope all is well. Forlorn Lorn Hope 22. I have so many fun answers. I love a good curse. <laughs> I love a good curse. So I will start with a short little story, which is, Mostly in, again, D&D, but also something I love to do with players. I really like to offer players at the start of the, a game the option to be a little bit more powerful, but also take an additional curse mm. as an option. So I will sometimes start games with characters at different levels if that's available, saying like you can start a little lower and get a boon, a little higher and get a curse in some way. So I really enjoy curses that are tied both to roleplay and mechanics. Yeah, And I think roleplay curses are ones where you will have less of that, like, lethal or deadly or detrimental element, especially if something is messing with a character's main stats or mechanics, preventing them from doing stuff. It's not always fun. Something that affects how they roleplay or how they interact with the world can be really interesting. Especially if you're talking to a player about like, this is going to affect your personality and you get to kind of decide this is going to make you more temperamental or this is going to make you come off as more generally malicious or it forces you to make difficult decisions in some way. Like you can no longer always go in the front door of a house. You have, you cannot enter a house through a front door. That's a fun little mm -hmm. one. So little things like that, um, looking at things that players are doing, not all the time, but with like semi-frequency, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like we, some, we do a shopping episode every like two months. Make shopping weird. <laughs> pick, pick, pick that element and that will make things not as challenging, but still kind of interesting. Yeah, I love fairy tales, and so I love fairy tale mm. curses, and they're always aggressively inconvenient. If you look, there's a story called Diamonds and Snakes, and pair of twins, one gets cursed every time they open their mouth, jewels fa fall out every time the other one opens their mouth. Snakes, small reptiles, whatever, <laughs> bugs fall out. Excellent <laughs> curse to give people for so many reasons. <laughs> the first one being just the natural progression of like, if a penny fell out of your mouth every time you spoke, you opened it. It would add up, so you'd have something, but you would also have a sack of pennies you couldn't sneak around with. <laughs> you would try to talk to someone, they'd be watching that happen. Yeah, and distracting. Yeah, the whole thing is a nightmare. I love, it's little things like that. The, I can't, you can't walk through a door, like a front door is so fun because mm -hmm. it's like mild, just mildly inconvenient enough that it's like, I forgot about yeah. that because we were in a dungeon but it turns out it's an ancient crypt and everything has a threshold <laughs> yeah like i love that i have friends who like in vampire you can get flaw folkloric flaws and i mm -hmm. the conversation about whether sewer systems count as running water <laughs> that you can't cross <laughs> i adore that stuff it's I don't care how inconvenient it is to ask if there's a religious artifact if someone's got a cross on their door or mezuzah but like Truly, if you want like inconvenient but not roleplay curses, looking at actual like Grimm's fairy tales, there's some like fun, weird things in there. 
just anytime someone dies, it's because of something weird. That's a great piece of advice looking at folklore. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, like, I'm yeah. now consumed with the idea of a Nosferatu who can't cross running water in the sewers. Like, oh, God. That... Oh, God. <laughs> you have to go up and around and back down. <laughs> ah. it's so hard to keep around. Or especially if it's like you cannot cross running water and you're just always walking around the city and then you realize you just can't. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> oh yeah. You, oh, even though it's underneath, yes. you can't cross yeah. the sewer underneath the road yeah. you're trying to walk down. So it could be. That would be hilarious. Well, uh, and I think it helps like a little bit of world building too, because as a GM, it means your player starts asking you questions like, "Is there a mezuzah on the door? Can I go in?" And you have <laughs> yeah. to be like, "What is the religion of this NPC?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we're in Brooklyn. So just don't go. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like odds are high. It cha- it yeah. just changes the way you and your PCs interact with the world. With the world, and I love that. Or like even little things like you're just always not gonna have a left shoe that fits. Yeah, like oh, tiny God. little things. Players, yeah, stuff like yeah. That. yeah. And, and players will run away with little stuff. Like yeah. if it's like you can't wear things that are new, you can only wear hand me downs. It mm. just changes the dynamic of all of a sudden. It's like the sh- it turns the shopping episode into something where it's like. If you buy me this, does it count as a hand-me-down? <laughs> you wear it for three days. Yeah, I and bought give it to me. Yeah, you need a proficiency in heavy armor because I need your cleric needs this. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Please just put it on. I also this can be a little bit of work for a GM, but I know as a player, I always love when I get a little guy. So like a talking weapon or an oh, additional pet or something. Yeah. Like everyone loves an animated object that they get to interact with, and. Sure. Yeah. Having a curse be attached to a interesting personality of an object can be really, really fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was in a, a Tomb of Annihilation game and I ended up with this cursed skull of a of a court jester. That's so great. And, yeah. Oh, no. And the jester basically was like Henny Youngman jokes and like like all kinds of Yo Mama jokes and like and, uh, and David Crennan. Is one of my favorite people to game with. Uh, he run, he created Dungeon in a Box and Skinny Minis, and he's just a phenomenal GM. And and he would do this silly, like old timey comic voice, and just tell all these like horrible your mama jokes and and just stupid insults. And it just followed me around for months. We couldn't <laughs> get rid of this thing. Yeah, we finally got rid of it, and it was like. Oh, now we're kind of sad. He was so awful. We love him. The, the it, prophecy yeah. scroll from our Changeling game, if we oh. had that any longer than we needed to, I was going to shred it. <laughs> right. Yeah. We had to ask yeah. it three times. It was fully dead. Adam just fully yeah. deadpan being a scroll. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have spent yeah. an entire session interacting with this underwater fish NPC, and EGM would only go like, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> An entire session just trying to ask it a question, but I still remember it because of yeah. how so hilarious yeah. it was. Remember the point of a cursed item as a GM is to amuse yourself. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, yeah. Truly. Does it, it, if the players are annoyed by it, that's going to make it better for them. They'll <laughs> say they complain. They'll try to complain, but they really want but it. But they'll come back yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah, they'll come back. They will also 100% remember that cursed item forever. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Right. You'll yeah. be telling stories about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I gave players once a rabbit statue because that's what I felt like do- it with a demon in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, understandably, a horny rabbit. And the oh, whole game great. they're playing, and the rabbit's just like, hey, hey, what you doing later? And it's just a, st- <laughs> and like it could only talk through the warlock. So the warlock's like, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Every> time, <laughs> like, know. accidentally hitting on everyone because I was just bored and floating with myself. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you're trying to come up with interesting, cool curses, I usually like to start with a sense. That can be really fun. So like Mm -hmm. smell, sight, things like that to give you a little bit of an idea. So something that Mm -hmm. makes you smell weird or something that makes you hard. It makes you, you can't see people that look a certain way. Like if you see people who are ginger, you just yeah. they, they're not in your frame of view. You can't pick up on that. So there's like a, a fun I place to start. Gingers. Uh, just something about it, you know, and then the I'm princess is ginger and you cannot rescue her because you can't tell where she is. Oh, You're no. ginger blind. So funny things like that. Touch as well. Like everything you touch now feels fuzzy. Can you imagine? Everything you touch feels curse? wet. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. oh no, the fuzzy thing and like, but yes. that does that affect your mouth feel? No. Like, so overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Or take same a thing, nice like, bite of mutton and it's actually tastes like a cotton ball or feels like a I'm cotton ball. Cutting. You know, like, flip oh, it no. around. Classic curses, I think, are very fun yeah. to pull from as well. Take a classic curse and scale it down. So instead of Midas touch, you just have, I don't know, like cheesecake touch. <laughs> But it only affects weapons, so it's not. A, yeah, it's like everything you like touch that. becomes gold leafed. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I mean, like, I, it's no more valuable than it was a few minutes ago. But it's, but it's just shiny. really gaudy. Yeah, everything you touch turns tackier. Like, yeah. What about interesting ways to remove curses? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Do you want to go? So you have a bunch of laughs here. Because, like, as you can see, we're getting very excited. Yeah. I, no, I just I got to thinking about. A modern example yeah. of a cursed thing that was a delightful film, poor Daniel Radcliffe with Guns Akimbo, oh. where he had a gangster show up in his apartment because he talked trash online, and like an actual gangster movie. shows up oh and and surgically attaches guns to his head. <laughs> So he just he can't put them down. He's just always holding these guns. And he's that like, is what pretty the flying That's pretty crazy. Great. And he goes on this whole adventure in a wacky world, but at one point, the cops are like, drop your guns, drop your weapons. And he's like, I can't. They attached to me. What am I supposed to? Like, that, so is, good. that is absolutely something that would be delightful. In any timeline, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah you can't oh, drop okay. your weapon is a fun curse. You're yeah, always, yeah. okay, it's just, you've got this sword. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah very uh, obnoxious. As a fan of the part of Chaucer, what? Yes. <laughs> I love the partner. And I love the idea of, my ba- one of my favorite character archetypes is like a fake holy person. Oh. <laughs> we'll unpack it later. Mm. But like finding a snake oil salesman who has like like I'll always throw someone in like that yeah. in my game. And in ev- and like I love having like the curse removal be something where it's like, yeah, this will totally work. And like <laughs> ha- sending because it, it's a great like you can send them on a mission for that and it doesn't yeah. work or you'll find you get to suss out the real solution amongst all of the charlatans. Yeah. That's just a me thing. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I did once do a curse, but it was just because they believed it. That's fine. Where it wasn't actually a cursed object at all, but all of the NPCs are like, whatever you do, you go in that cave <laughs> and find something in there, it, you're going to come out and you're going to be changed. You're going to be different. <laughs> So then they went in and I just, it was just like a marble pedestal with like one of those sort of semi-tacky 70s backyard <laughs> mirror ball. Yeah. Yes. Right? Like, I was just like, there, there, it's, that's what you found. And they're like, what does it do if I touch it? And I'm like, touch it. Let's find out. So then they came out and the player just on their own accord, I didn't give them any guidelines. Just started being like aloof all the time. And just kind of looking at people, uh, like, uh, strangely, 
And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what's happening. There you go. Oh my God. You did it. Forever changed. Yeah. The, that sort of leads into one thing, which I think is the best curse that you can give often is, is to give the character whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And they start to get really scared when everything's going well for them. And they're just like, man, I wish I had a bag of gold right now. Like, oh, well, actually, a bag of gold falls off the horse that tried yes. to die. And they're like, oh, awesome. Oh, no. Oh, no. What does that mean? What's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a really fun way to to screw with them in the best kind of way. It's and, for something yeah. to roll before you say that they got it. Yes. And oh my God. Yeah. Roll doesn't matter. I just like yeah. putting the fear of God in people. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Useless rolls just for the joy of making them think that there's something random going on. Yeah. Super fun. I've also got yeah. a little bit that I like, which is saying that everything is a three-step process. Oh, yes. So no. any, any NPC, you come to an NPC and you ask how you do something and they just go like, it's a three-step process. Yeah. And then they tell you three innocuous things to do, but it can you can scale it up or scale it down in a lot of different funny ways. So every curse requires a three-step process yes. to remove. Yeah. It's just, it's a silly little thing, but also it's a, sure. it is, I do think we just kind of like three steps. It feels bad. Oh, heck oh, yeah. yeah. To yeah, us, absolutely. we love three. Yeah. Sure. It's and, a and nice it, number. It really buys into the whole curse idea. Too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my my final bit of advice, oh, I was going to say, I've been holding this back for a while, trying to find the right time to put it in, but one of my favorite curses is just, you have to tell the truth. That's that is always one. fun. Yeah. Very fun one. So my final advice about getting rid of a curse is this is your opportunity to make getting rid of the curse even more annoying than the curse itself, <laughs> which is where you get to have a lot of fun. Like if the curse is annoying, make them have to find somebody that is even more annoying than the curse to deal with. It's like going to Miracle Max for the cure, right? And so memorable. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the best scene. And this is your chance to have the weird ass quirky hedge witch or sewer goblin like in the... Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. uh, But yeah, I mean... Next time I find a cursed object, I'm going to... Right? It's just Clara. <laughs> yeah, it's just Clara. Yeah. Yeah. On this brick in my yard. And it's right. Really yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. You have to find the sewer witch and you have to be wearing a shirt with her face printed on it three times. <laughs> it's a three yes. step process. Perfect. <laughs> For those just listening, I am wearing a shirt that has Clara's face in three different moons on it. So, so yeah. good. Thank you. I will say, I love that it's a three step process. Curses that are broken because curses are most of the time people are cursed for a reason. Yeah. Um, if you're looking back at fairy tale shit, curses where the solution is self improvement, always mm-hmm. very fun. That uh, a good one. So like, yes, the curse will be broken if you are complimenting people more than you're putting them down, mm-hmm. and it makes the character choice of like you have your shopping episode. You've got these gloves that won't come off until you start complimenting people more than you put them down or so every interaction becomes like also i like your hat and like walk (laughs) off and it it's this fun it gives the characters a fun quirk that they can then play off of the same way the curse already did and like and so you it's like two curses for the price of one yeah right yeah (laughs) Yeah. also checking in with players if they're feeling bad or good about a curse, like when it starts to wear on them, asking them how much they like it or if they don't like it, linking a curse to a benefit as well. So they are interested in keeping it around. I mean, Mm -hmm. this axe example, you would hope that the axe would be 
super powerful if you right. know you're trying to save against it cutting off your head every day. So yeah. that can make it more more of a complicated decision. But also coming up with a reason why the curse is hard to remove. But I say that because I think if you just want to say like, no, you can't just get rid of it. That isn't always fun unless you say to the players, there's an actual reason why you can't just get rid of it. It's, yeah. It's like every other curse you can get rid of, but the one that I think is interesting, no, you can't. Yeah. Having something that is linked to the character's backstory or the decisions they've made, give them an interesting reason. Yeah. And also, if you're playing D&D, just make sure nobody has removed curse in the party before you give a curse object, because then it's just no fun. There, I mean, so. there are always things you can take <laughs> off the table for that. So yeah. you can say, hey, I've got some really cool curse items and I'd kind of love if you guys didn't pick that spell up because yeah. I planned or, for it. Right, yeah, yeah. It's a great conversation to have with your players. Yeah. Or you could truly just say like, hey, it's a curse that's stronger than remove curse. Yeah. Sorry, bud. Yeah. You prayed yeah. your God harder. Yeah. And then if, you know, then there's the fight of like, well, the, right. the sheet says remove curse. Yeah. 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 What's the solution oh. to this curse? Get good. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Stop yeah. spoiling my character. Right. Yeah. Oh, maybe you could have like the, the remove curse spell just gives you the hint. Like, okay. You the first step. Yeah. yeah I cast, step. You cast remove curse and all of a sudden you get a map to the sewer witch. Like, okay, yeah. now now guess where you're going. Oh, like, yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Or the, like, the remove curse spell has to be cast in a certain way at a certain time. Yeah. Oh, man, ritual component. Interesting ritual yeah, component. Yeah, You have to look a certain way. Yeah. yeah. Can't do it, start. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Not today. Shall I do mailbag three? Yeah, heck yeah. So. Okay. Greetings, the Empress Kimmy and the laser-printed court. That's us. Six days, six different games, 20 hours of gaming, 18 unique players, countless laughs, endless fun. What are the above stats? Just the best weekend gaming I have ever had. All thanks to the freaking awesome people from Happy Jacks and their Discord. Aww. Oh my gosh. Here is my story. My awesome wife had to travel for work, and that meant I had a whole week where I needed to fill my evening so I didn't get lonely. So what did I do? Did I do something constructive like paint the house or deep clean the bathroom or go outside? Never. I went to the Discord and explained my problem. I put out the call. I offered to run any system I was comfortable in or play in, basically anything except for Fates through that game. I expected to fill one or maybe two nights with games that I would have to run myself. But oh, was I wrong. I had forgotten the Discord is full of not only awesome humans, but awesome GMs. In a matter of a couple days, GMs stepped forward to run. Players stepped into play. Next thing I know, every slot was filled. Over the next six days, I played in games ranging from the super complex trad of Mage to GMless and diceless hippie game of Hilt slash Blade. I got to play with people I've never played with before and see tons of GMing styles and skill sets. I got to play with people I had talked to so often on Discord or heard their emails on the show. Steffi, Kurt, with a C, of which I think is Kurt number 517. Mike F., <laughs> Rose, Jason, Nick, just to name a few of the TTRPG giants I got to play with. Mm. The Happy Jacks community showed up hard for me. That's uh, Happy Jacks After Dark comment. <laughs> In the end, Virkon as it was coined by Rose, was the best week of gaming I have ever had. Stories that will last forever in my mind, new friendships forged in the shared trauma of Trophy Dark, or the terrible choices in Court of Blades will hopefully last a long, long time. Thank you, everyone that is part of the Happy Jack sphere. 
And thank you, Kimmy, for not letting this community die like Stu and giving many of us a gaming family. Birk from the Discord. P.S. I guess I should have asked a question. So what is your favorite thing about this community? First of all, thank you. Adorable and lovely. And Birk is awesome, by the way. So yeah, I'm not surprised that Birk attracted a lot of awesome gaming. Hell yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anybody? <laughs> what's your favorite things about Happy Jacks? A regular game that I can keep that everyone shows up to. No, I actually it's the community. It's a really good resource, and I like of the not so dumb joke of I want games where you get to play a tiny woodland creature, and the community keeps being like, "Hey, have a game at me," and they'll be like, "Here's another game where you get to play a tiny woodland creature," and it's yeah. my bank account does not thank you, but like my heart <laughs> does. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'll say I haven't interacted a lot with the Discord community, but I've been, I felt so welcomed by Happy Jacks. I think I'm one of the newest people and I got to also bring in some amazing friends like Sarah and Sloan to play in some uh, ongoing campaigns that have just started and they're having a great time. And so I've just felt, I felt very welcomed. I felt like it's a really special to have a space that cares a lot about indie games, indie designers. And that I think it's just a very special thing to have. I mean, I know of a few in-studio games that are running, but I don't know any that are strictly indie RPGs. And I just think it's amazing and it really brings people together and teaches them about new systems and shines a light on the diversity of design in this space. So I think it's really cool and people seem to be really passionate about it. And I like the recommendations, like you said. (laughs) I've just learned a lot about different game systems even in a few months. So very special. I absolutely love the fact that I can come here and run games and somebody else records and archives it for me. <laughs> so I don't have to take notes for shit. I can just go, mm, 2x speed. <laughs> Let me hear back. Oh, yeah. That was a game changer. Yeah. 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 Uh, for sure. <laughs> That's one of the, like, when I first started GMing at Happy Jacks, that was the thing that I was like, Oh, this is so easy. <laughs> I, I, I got a, I've literally got a court recorder. Yeah. It's just taking care of it for me. Great. But I've said many times when I turned 30, I didn't think, I, I thought I was pretty much done making friends. Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, I've got my core group of friends and we play games and do stuff. And I have other, the expanding circles of people that you know, of course. But I was like, I'm not expecting to make a whole new group of friends. Right. That's weird. <laughs> like, I'm I'm out of school now, so I'm not thrust into classes where I'm going to meet people. Yeah. I like going out to have a drink now and then, but I'm not that person that's like bellying up next to strangers at the bar and being like, so do you like RPG? <laughs> like, that's weird. I'm not that guy. So I was like, I'm pretty much done. And then I had a job at the time where I was driving many thousands of miles a year and i found the first season of the podcast and listened to it and realized oh shit it's guys from that band at renaissance fair (laughs) and then my friends and i we went out to fair the next season and walked up to Stu, and we're like hey we love rpgs too and Stu's like fuck yeah come to my house (laughs) we're like okay yeah so then next thing you know we're you know we started off being called the b team Oh, uh, yeah. Because it was always like I still have my old B team shirt that I made. Nice. And like we just started going to the conventions and finding more people that also found the show. And the delightful part is 
when we're at a convention and there's somebody that shows up that listens to the show, yeah, they've already passed that test of like, I can get along with you fine. (laughs) It's true. It's so true. I've never met you before in my life, but we both share an interest in the same things and you hear my opinions and you hear other friends of mine's opinions. And you showed up to play games with us? Yeah. yeah. We're on the same page. Let's go. Yeah. You, did you listened it. to like, us and you still like us? Yeah. You're in. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'd agree. That's one of the best parts of this. I mean, just like Virk. I didn't know Virk. Like, and then all of a sudden we were at con games with him and, and it was like, oh my God, you're amazing and awesome. Like, you're our friend now. And and Kurt Potts and Katie had just become such an important part of oh my, my life. And not to mention I got married from being in a Happy Jacks game. <laughs> That's so um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is Literally just... gay. Yeah, <laughs> super gay. It is Happy just, Pride. Thank you. Yeah. So it has just added so much to my life. So many friends. It, like, Dave and I, like, hang out and talk all the time. And it's like... And, like, we probably wouldn't have met otherwise. I wasn't a fair goer. I, no. and And it was just... But Kimmy coached at the gym, the nerd gym that I started going to. And then Jason and Kimmy and I ended up gaming together. And Kimmy had Jason start running a game because she was the only person she knew that wasn't in fair. And <laughs> somebody had to run a game on the weekends <laughs> yeah. for those two months. And and then they're like, hey, come run a game because I was running our home home game for us. And and I'm like, okay. And and then all of a sudden I have all of these amazing friends and in one of my favorite things, which is I will show up and people actually ask my advice and let me talk about it for like two hours is that's like one of my favorite things ever. But also like, and not to get too deep and serious, but I went through some pretty traumatic stuff earlier this year. And, and this community was just like, we love you. We care for you. This was the friends that I made through here really helped me get through that. And I, and I'm like, okay, I'm finally at a point I want to get back in. And, and so, and it just, it's such a beautiful place. It really is. The discord is so reflective of that operating mode that we have cultivated with our friends, right? Which is respect each other, care for each other and have fun together while you're doing that. And and whether whether it's among us who play and, and host the shows or among us in the discord of the community, I mean, it's a beautiful place to be and, and it's really awesome. So I'm glad you had this event and this experience and VertCon sounds great. Maybe next year I'll come. Make it and, annual. Right? Yeah, yeah. Annual. yeah, right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> JackerCon too, right? You know. <laughs> Honey, I need you to figure out a thing that you have to travel. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that you need to get out of the house for a week. Hey, babe, could you go out of town for a while? <laughs> like, I need a game with strangers. Right? Yeah, yeah. I gotta play my online friends. Right? Yeah, yeah. We'll just call her up. Hey, can Beer come out to play? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's We're just standing on a porch, right? peeking through a screen door. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, holy shit! Like. There's a bunch of people on the board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One uh-huh. one thing I would say is is if you can come to Strategicon, which we usually many of us go to, if you can get out, like come join us. Like you'll see us all sitting at the bar and, and drinking, like sign up for games with us, sidle up at the bar, just come up and say, 
hey, I listened to the show. And it'll be like, oh, awesome. Come have a drink with us. And and you just become one of us, just like Beard did and several other people who have come. Uh, sure. Yeah, James V is has come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who else, but... Mini um, Painter Jen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Has come down and... Yeah. Wait. Oh, there's been a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. hard to remember because they then just become people. Exactly, like, yeah. I'm just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's Me. just all the people <laughs> whose names I see in the chat. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just a place where you're welcome. And whoever you are, whatever your thing is, you're welcome here. And and we're going to accept you and, and love you and, and take you in. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to go cry. Yeah. I'm going to cry now. Right? Yeah. 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 Thanks, Birk, for making us cry on camera. Wow. Rude. Okay. Not Birk's the out. first or last yeah. time. No. Yeah. God, no. Oh, my God, no. I'm so lucky <laughs> to be here. Mm-hmm. Oh, we love having you. I know. We're glad to have you. Yeah. Oh. Such, such a yeah. special Shit. Trip. Yeah. I almost forgot to put my glasses back on. Oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> Take it away. So we found ourselves at the end of the episode tonight. Very quickly. It feels so so fast. It does. Right? Like yeah. lightning. Yeah. Even though we can just sit around and BS for six and a half hours and we still yeah. go, wow, that was quick. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, it has happened. It's called oh, Strategicon. Yeah. It yeah. happens yeah. for three days. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us for season 32, episode seven. Please make sure you reach out and support the Indie Designer of the Month, Jessica Markram at angrynerdgirl.itch.io because... I mean, there's several of us here, but that's only a few cat game sales, and it needs more. <laughs> right? Definitely. I'm going to play yeah. with my dog and see if I can hack the system. Oh, oh yeah. I'm looking oh. forward to the hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that going to be dog dialogue? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our chat mod, James V, as always, for keeping it to be a safe place on the internet, which is not an easy job. And thank you to all the amazing patrons on Patreon who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their incredible ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. I have been Kadave. I have been Adam. I'm Clara and will remain Clara. And I am forever and always Alex. <laughs> Yay. Yay! Here's the tricky bit. Uh-oh. I have no idea how Leave You With a Song works. Oh, okay. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, well, somehow we're theoretically leaving you with a song. It's Danny Boy recorded live by the Merry Wives of Windsor. Why is that um, one? Theoretically, I'm, maybe there's a button on the stream deck. I, we'll be figuring it out. We'll be figuring it so, out. We'll, we'll try to figure it out. It if there's no song, just like all of you just pretend that the song happened and tell Kimmy the song was right. great yeah. Yeah. and we Don't got it right. Somebody it definitely yeah. tweet Kimmy later and be like, that Danny Boy recording was the best thing so ever. So good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also like hack into Kimmy's computer and edit this out before she sees it. Yeah, whoever it. edits sure. these, someone please, yeah. do we edit these afterwards? <laughs> no. <laughs> Alright. So I'm going to click a button and it's going to do some things and we'll see what happens. So other than that, have a wonderful Sunday evening. Welcome to Sundays for the foreseeable future for the advice show. And I will see you all on the internet tomorrow night for our almost end of the One Ring RPG, The Unsung Tales, where we will figure out what kind of monster lurks north of the dwarf house that I apparently grew up in vast amounts of wealth. That I discovered Whoa. last episode was delightful. Tasty. And that I wasn't Whoa. as big a disappointment to my family as I thought I was. So, <laughs> we all want to learn yeah, that, don't we? Right. Right. 
true fantasies. All right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.